For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, partnered with Mile High Sports and Denver Stiffs to bring you this podcast and to bring you uh, just just some gracious takes from uh, my guest, my guest here. Uh, one of my favorite guests that I've had on the program before. He and I have some good conversations on the Golden State Warriors at the Denver Nuggets and just the league at large in general. It is Brady Klopfer at Brady Klopfer NBA on Twitter. Brady is over at uh, SB Nation, obviously. He covers the Warriors. He covers the Giants. He covers the LA Sparks and just does great job. Uh, great, does, does a great job for SB Nation. Uh, Brady, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. My pleasure, Ryan. And especially if you're going to give me an introduction like that every time. I mean, <laughs> gassing me up a little bit here, but always, always a joy to talk hoops with you, man. I appreciate it. Everybody deserves to be gassed up every now and then. And, and let's Hell be yeah. honest, like you deserve it. I deserve it. We, we, we yeah. gotta, we gotta gas up our brothers in, in the, uh, in the NBA sphere because it's been a long season. It's been a drawn out season and we're, we're now getting into the nitty gritty here where for one of us, the road will probably end in just a couple of weeks. And from my perspective, I'm not super excited about which one of us is going to have the road end. So we're going to talk about that and, and we can we can bandy back and forth about it and see if you have any major concerns about this series. But I, I think we should probably start with the Warriors here and just say, hey, the Warriors are favored in this series. And I think for good reason. Uh, what was just your initial take on the series when you first saw it happening and, and just where where the Warriors kind of stand? Scared me a tiny bit, to be honest, just from the standpoint that, you know, for the last few weeks, we've known that the Warriors were going to face either the Nuggets or the Jazz. Um, and the Warriors just play better against the Jazz than they do against the Nuggets. So, you know, even though I'm always in favor of fighting for the highest seed you can get, um, and I think getting the three seed ultimately was still a benefit for the Warriors, even if it's a slightly harder first round matchup. Um, it, it's, it's still a little bit scary from the Warriors standpoint. You know, I, I, I do think they should be favored, like you said. Um, but Denver's a team that's played them very hard and very well for a very long time now. Um, and beyond that, I think, you know, what in the playoffs, it so often comes down to who is the best player. Uh, you know, what team has that player that can really be the difference maker. Uh, the Warriors pretty clearly, assuming that Steph Curry is even like 80% of health, they pretty clearly have that advantage against most teams in the NBA. Um, and the Nuggets are not one of those teams. You know, the Nuggets have the ability to have the best player in a series, even if Steph Curry is healthy. Uh, so that's always a little bit of a scary element is you throw everything else out the window, you revert to star powered isolations to who's going to carry you. Um, and you're talking about an MVP who in my eyes should be a two-time MVP after this season. Uh, that's a scary thing, even 
if I think the Warriors are the better team. Yeah, that's a it's a it's a good point and, and probably a point of optimism for Denver that and Nuggets fans can take solace in this. That look, Nikola Jokic has the capability to be the best player on the court at any given time against any given team. And that's an exciting thing for the Nuggets, for their future, but also for their present that you have to just kind of get through, like weed through everything and, and try to try to get through what is, has been a really difficult season and potentially a really difficult playoffs. There, there is a person that can help get them through that. And it is Nikola Jokic. Um, but I do want to, I want to focus on Steph here. I want to focus on the injury Apparently he scrimmaged today. Apparently that went well. It seems like he's going to play on Saturday to the surprise of nobody, in my opinion, out here in Denver. Uh, how serious in your mind do you think Steph, Steph's injury was? And, and was it actually, I mean, it, obviously it held him out for the regular season, but was there any real question uh, kind of in Warriors writers' minds that he would be suiting up? You know, it's kind of funny because I feel like the answer is, is no, but the reason the answer is no is because we've seen this from Steph so many times. He's kind of accelerated injury timelines uh, time and time again. He's been the kind of player who will get back on the court court as quickly as the coaches will allow him to. Um, and the Warriors kind of, they were a little coy with all of this. And so my feeling, and, and I think the feeling of most of the writers was that, you know, everything was fine. They were, they were being safe by holding him out through the end of the regular season. Maybe he could have come back towards the end of the season if he really needed to, but they were always going to play it safe. Um, but in hindsight, I don't think that was actually the case. Uh, he dropped a lot of information today after his scrimmage. He, he said that he was in a walking boot well into April still. Um, yeah. And yeah, which was news to me. Um, and he said that he went from 0% recovery to 75% recovery basically overnight. Um, but he certainly made it sound that like the first three weeks of the injury, that it was looking really, really bad. And then all of a sudden it started to look pretty decent. Um, but he did say he was pretty transparent today that, you know, he's still in a lot of pain uh, and that that's not going to change even when he comes back, you know, he's waiting for clearance from the doctors, but he's not going to get to a point where he feels um, fully back to normal, um, at least in terms of pain tolerance. That might be posturing a little bit. Obviously, there's the psychological element going on here. Um, right. But even if it isn't, I, I, I don't think it matters all that much with Steph. He's kind of shown in the past an ability to return from injuries, playing immediately at his highest level again. Um, so yeah, I fully expected him to, to play the whole time. Cause it just, it just seemed right. It just seemed like Steph, but now in a little bit of hindsight and reading some of the stuff, Connor Letourneau from the San Francisco Chronicle had a great article, uh, yesterday or the day before, um, that kind of went behind the scenes with some information about the injury that people didn't know before that. And his takeaway was basically like, this doesn't look very optimistic. If, if you're hoping he plays Saturday, I wouldn't hold my breath. Um, and then he scrimmaged today and it's it start, it starting to seem like he's beating the odds a little bit, but you kind of get used to him doing the superhero thing. So, yeah, it's so it's it's wild, right? Like that's that's a that's a very interesting point of view there and and a very interesting prognosis, I think, for what this series could look like, because I think there's a lot of question marks and and I think. Warriors fans will cringe when I bring up the 2016 or yeah 2016 finals 
on, hey, the difference between 100% Steph Curry and 80% Steph Curry is actually tangible and something that could really flip a series the other direction. And, and I think Nuggets fans, they hold that optimism that, look, the, the only reason that the only major way that Denver could really get through this series is if the Warriors aren't at their best, because what they've shown at their ceiling is a team that is completely dangerous. There, there were, I, I still would pick the, the Suns, even if the Warriors were at full strength, because I've seen what the Suns can do. Um, but if there's one team that could seriously challenge what the Suns are doing, it's the Warriors and, and how they how versatile they are, how dynamic they are. Their, their two-man game between Steph and Dre, and you add some of these other elements into it, and it's very dangerous. But uh, if Steph isn't 100%, then I think Denver should have more confidence. Should they have a whole bunch of confidence? No, but but they should have more. That's That's for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, all bets are off with the Warriors if Steph is not 100%. Uh, we've seen in this month that he's month that he's been out. They've had some really, really good games without him. And they've had some games where they looked absolutely awful. Looked like a team that didn't deserve to be competing for a playoff spot. Didn't look like a team that didn't deserve to have Steph come back and save them. Um, so, yeah, all bets are off if he's not 100%. And, and I'll give a lot of credit here, too, to Mike Malone. Uh, I think he is a very good coach at kind of exploiting those types of um, opportunities. And I think that, you know, if Curry is on the court, but a little bit physically compromised, if we're only getting him at 80%, uh, I think Mike Malone is, is the type of coach who, and I don't mean this to sound like he coaches dirty or anything like that, but I think he's, he's the type of coach who can really take advantage of that, who can really adjust his defense um, to play into the way that an opponent is playing. Uh, and I, I think that could really benefit Denver. Yeah, and I, I'm, I would be on Malone's side as well with that, just because you, you take every possible advantage that you can. Yeah. This is the Chris Paul school of thought where, look, they, the rule book is there for you to take advantage of the rules. And if you're not taking advantage of whatever it is, every single opportunity, then you're probably not a true winner. You're probably not doing, doing whatever it is to uh, – to make it work. It's, it's the Patrick Beverly in me, I guess that's, that's really, uh, that's really just rearing its ugly head. And it's how Uh, it should be. Like, it doesn't mean you're, you know, stepping on someone's ankles, trying to hurt them. It means that this is the hand they're bringing to the table. And if that hand has a weakness, you have to exploit that weakness. And if that is too big of a weakness, then they have to take their hand off the table, but that's, you know, the warriors aren't going to make any concessions for the fact that Jamal Murray is presumably not on the court or that Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. isn't on the court. The Nuggets should absolutely go at Steph 100% if he is physically ailed in any way, or even if he isn't because he's still the weak point of the defense either way. So let me ask you this. Who, who do you think starts for Golden State to begin this series, as assuming that Steph is healthy? It's a really good question. I would love to see Jordan Poole starting, but I really don't think it's going to happen. Um, I think they're going to stick with, with Curry, Clay, Wiggins, Dre, and Looney. Um, I think in all likelihood, what we're going to see is that their go-to lineup is Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond Green. Um, I think Kevon Looney will start. I don't think he's going to play a lot of minutes. I think there will be some games where he plays a lot of minutes because really he's the only person physically on the Warriors who can actually match up with Jokic. Um, but I think the Warriors also know that Draymond Green is their best five, 
even if he usually starts at the four. And Jordan Poole has simply been too good to not have on the court. Um, but they've been very reluctant to take Andrew Wiggins off the court. Uh, so I think, I think their solution is going to be that as their main five-man unit, that very small lineup with Green at the center and, and all four of their offensive players on the court. Uh, but I do think the starting lineup of Curry, Clay, Wiggins, Green, and, and Looney is going to be what's on the court at the start of games. So it's a really fascinating tactical shift, right? Like one of the things that Denver's probably going to do is like if if Wiggins and and if Poole sits and and he's off, and he's coming off the bench, then I think Denver their starting lineup of Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, Nikola Jokic, along with Monte Morris, Will Barton. I think that's it's reasonably fair. You're probably going to have. Monte Morris chasing chasing around Steph Curry initially, and that's going to look pretty ugly. But uh, if if Steph Curry is not Steph Curry, then maybe you you buy a couple minutes with that. So uh, there there's so many of these tactical shifts that look if the Warriors are downsizing, Denver's going to have to downsize too. Austin Rivers is going to be a very big integral part of this series for Denver because he's the only guy that can play a semblance of perimeter defense, and uh, he's honestly intimately familiar with the Warrior system and and how difficult it is and how how much communication you have to have in order to be successful so he was talking about that today and i thought his perspective was pretty fascinating that the communication is the thing that you have to do better than anything it's not it's not even like the 100% effort it's just you have to know where to be uh which is it's just a fascinating thing and and it just exponentially more difficult when you add jordan Poole into that you put andrew wiggins at the four what it might do for Denver is it might actually open up some things for them offensively with some cuts and with some interior defense issues uh, get, like that the Warriors are probably going to have trying to guard Nikola Jokic down there. Uh, what do you think their goal is going to be with guarding Jokic? Is it going to be one-on-ones? Is it going to be double teams? Is it going to be just because wh- what I've seen over the course of the past couple of years is that they like to go one-on-one, but they shrink down, they shrink the size of the floor and they don't give up cuts that way. Yeah. I think, I think that's really hit the nail on the head there because I think the Warriors understand better than most defenses that for all of Jokic's brilliance as a scorer, he is one of the greatest passers that the sport has ever seen. Not, not just for a center and, and the warriors, because they have such a unique player in Curry, I think they understand the concept of gravity better than most teams do. A hundred percent, by the way, that's a hundred percent true. And that's what Jokic is too, right? Like the nuggets understand it better than most teams. Cause they have Jokic. The warriors understand it better than most teams. Cause they have Curry. And it's a different kind of gravity, obviously with those two players, but Jokic's passing gravity is just, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and people tend to, to just kind of reduce it down to the passing highlights, but it's every single possession. You see the offense functions differently. The defense functions differently because of that threat of that pass. Uh, and I think so many teams make the mistake of just throwing a second or a third defender at Jokic and you're almost playing into what he wants a lot of that time, right? You're, you're just giving him more lanes for his teammates to cut you're giving him more space to make his passes Uh, and so I think the Warriors are going to be very wary of just throwing doubles or throwing triples at him I think it's going to be a lot of man defense and 
when they can send help defense that, like you said, cuts off a lane, shrinks the court a little bit, that's when you're going to see the help come rushing in. And in a way, this is why I I think they're going to be adamant about starting Kevon Looney and why Looney, if he plays well, could have a chance to stay on the court for a big amount of minutes is Draymond Green is so effective in that role. Despite how good of a defender he is on ball and how well he defends Jokic, he's still at his best if he is working off the ball as kind of a rover, a little bit of a free safety. And if you have Looney holding his own as a man defender and Draymond is roving around and can double down on Jokic whenever he sees the opportunity to just close the floor really quickly, I think that's the Warriors' best defensive approach. But yeah, I think, I think, you know, they don't really like to double all that much. It has to be very specific times. They really like to kind of throw a man in and get them back out, um, add a little bit of chaos, cut off some passing lanes. But um, I think they understand that if you just put two people on Nikola Jokic, he's just going to Tom Brady the heck out of your defense all day long. I'm, I agree with you on one hand. But on the other hand, what I've seen from the supporting cast for Denver so far is that sometimes they just can't really answer the bell. And, and whether it's breaking yeah. open threes or making decisions, like one of the things that I think Ty Lu really started and then Nick Nurse really adopted when guarding Jokic and guys like Embiid was that doubling him, fronting him, and then sometimes even preventing him from touching the ball. Uh, just because like you, then he isn't the fulcrum, that he isn't the mm-hmm. guy that you can go to. There's going to be a lot of that, I think, from Golden State, from Ron Adams and everybody there, in just that they're going to do their best to cut off the head of the snake and force other people to make decisions. And Denver has been so spoiled for the last seven years and that they've had one of the best decision makers in the NBA. It isn't just like, creative passing or creative scoring or anything like that. It's just, you know what to do with the ball, where you need to go and where the ball needs to go. And and he's been able to facilitate that for so long that when he comes off the floor or when he is kind of neutralized by people trying to take him away, Denver hasn't had an answer before. So they're going to have to have an answer now, whether it's Monte Morris, whether it's Will Barton, whoever it is, uh, but it's going to be difficult to figure out. And That's going to be a really interesting battle. It's one of the things that, look, it may not be a one-on-one battle between Draymond Green and Nikola Jokic. It might be a one-on-two with Draymond and Kevon Looney versus Nikola Jokic in a lot of those situations, and then having the other four Nuggets play four-on-three. And I think they might be okay with that. That's, That's kind of where I've gone down with this, but we'll see. Yeah, that's a great point. And the Warriors are a team that that you see this a lot from them where they, where they do try to deny the ball to a lot of star players because not just to keep the ball out of that player's hands, but just to kind of discombobulate the offense. And we've obviously seen that a lot of times with Denver, as happens with most teams that have a star offensive player where if they can't get the ball to Jokic, sometimes there's this moment where they're just like, what, what, do, we, what do we do now? And and that's when your offense really starts to get corrupted. And I, I think the Warriors do understand that pretty well, that you know, if you can deny that entry, if you can force the Nuggets to, to go in a different direction than Jokic, not only are you taking the ball out of Jokic's hands, but 
you're taking kind of what was not just the first option, but the only option out of Denver's offense. And now you have four other guys that are kind of looking around at each other going, what do we do? And, and that's when you can really start to mess with an offense. Cause you know, it's one thing if those four guys understand what to do is their next step, but if they're all kind of flustered because they couldn't get the ball to Jokic madness starts to happen a little bit. Really quickly. What, what do you think golden state's biggest weaknesses heading into this series? I still have a lot of questions about their bench being able to do anything when Steph Curry is off the court, even with some of the performances they've had with him gone. And even with Jordan Poole presumably moving to the bench, that obviously helps. Um, but they're a, a weird team in that they're very deep, um, but they're also not very consistent with that depth. And we've seen a lot of games where they just don't do much from the bench. And you have a lot of players like Andre Godala great playmaker. Nemanja Bialyts, a great playmaker. Otto Porter Jr., great glue guy. Jonathan Kaminga, incredibly talented rookie. You can't rely on any of those guys to actually score on any given night. Um, adding Jordan Poole to that fold certainly helps a little bit, but especially if they're using him kind of like a starter off the bench, um, you're going to end up with some funky lineups there that with Curry on the bench where I'm just not fully sure that Clay Thompson is to a point where he can carry that load um, where Jordan Poole's is his first playoff experience. He's going to be targeted a lot. Andrew Wiggins has just been truthfully awful for like three months now. Um, the, the bench, the bench scoring is, is a little bit of an issue for me. Um, even if Jordan Poole has really come into his own and uh, against a team like Denver, even, even with Denver out some stars in Murray and Porter, there's still a team that you need to be able to beat for the better part of 48 minutes, not just the minutes when Steph Curry is on the court and Curry's going to be on a minutes restriction. Um, you know, we don't know for how long, but you know, Steve Curry said today, he's not going to play 30 minutes. Um, so you're looking at potentially, you know, 20 minutes a game for the first, you know, maybe two or three games that you have to be able to hold your own. So, and again, that could be a little bit of posturing from Steve Kerr, but he also hasn't played in a month. So, that's that's my concern that would be great if if (laughs) 25 minutes in this game that sounds like a a much more reasonable thing for denver to deal with than uh than it would be if he played 36 to 40 uh and and maybe that's maybe that's one of the things that with the injury and with being 100 percent versus 70 percent, like it might not just be a hundred percent of 36 to 40 minutes it might just be a hundred percent at 28 minutes and then you just have to take advantage of the other 20 so that gives me a little bit more confidence uh is jordan Poole better than bones highland at carrying a bench offense probably but like bones has been really good for denver too we'll talk about him in the second segment uh i i do think that the warriors have more pieces to play around with just as as a okay, you got your normal formula. Normal formula isn't working. How do we adapt to what the Nuggets are doing and how do we bolster what's not working for us? I I feel like there's more answers there, but I also do think that if those answers don't come through, then maybe Denver steals a game in Chase Center and things get a little bit weird at game three or or somewhere around there. But it's going to be very weird. Uh, 
Denver has to take advantage of the early games for that reason. That look once yeah. once Steph gets ramped up to 35, 40 minutes and Draymond is playing like a banshee out of hell, then then there's probably going to be uh, like it, it's going to be a real pain for for Denver when they go back to Denver. But we're going to see, man. We're going to see. I'm uh, I'm very curious. Uh, give me give me your thoughts. The Warriors will win this series if blank. The Warriors will win the series if ooh, I'm, I'm dipping closely into one of my um, my bold predictions here. But okay. I'm going to say the Warriors will win this series if Draymond Green stays healthy and looks healthy. Okay. And that's a that's a bold prediction there <laughs> that they use. So I'm, I'm going to very, very much it's, predict what what he's going to be going with in the third segment, folks. Okay. Very interesting. We will we will circle back to that. Tell you what, let's take a break. But before we do, I want to tell everybody about a very special thing that we're doing over at Blake Street Tavern. Uh, We are going to have Stiff's Night Out once again. This was one of the staples that we used to have before the pandemic, where everybody would be getting together. That's on the website that we talk to each of these guys every day. All of the users, I I can shout out my old friends. Uh, over at the Denver Stiffs comment section. Everybody gets together, all the Denver Stiffs readers. We go over and hang out. Uh, Tonight, or on Saturday night, we're going to do it at Blake Street Tavern, one of the best bars in the entire city of Denver. Chris Fuselier does a fantastic job as the owner over there. And we're going to hang out over there for game one. Uh, At 6 p.m. is when the party is starting, April 16th, obviously, this Saturday at Blake Street Tavern. That's when the party starts. Come early, come often, uh, get some drinks, can shout me out for the 2,000, 1,500 step because I need all of my uh, appreciation for uh, basically winning Nikola Jokic at MVP. He, did, he had nothing to do with it. Uh, but everybody, make sure to hang out with us. We're partnered with Mile High Sports on this one. Denver Stiff says, make sure to come over to Blake Street Tavern so we can have a party and maybe see a win from the Denver Nuggets on Saturday night. We will be right back. Back, pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here, joined today by Brady Klopfer over at SB Nation, covering the Warriors, covering the Giants, covering all of the San Francisco Bay Area teams because he is a baller. All right, Brady, we are. Let's talk about the Nuggets now. Let's talk about some of these these other questions. And I asked you if you had any questions prior to just about the Denver Nuggets. Anything you want to lead off with at the top? I, I do have some questions here. If if you're just like, eh. I've got, I've got a few questions. Okay. Um, yeah, I've got a few. Um, my first is, you know, Denver is such an interesting squad given their injuries. Uh, and I'm always so intrigued by the teams that have kind of one superstar and then a bunch of role players around them uh, because I feel like the dynamic of that team can change, you know, based on the matchup. Whereas when you have a more traditional two or three star team, you kind of know what the game plan is going to be on any given night. Uh, So with that in mind, like, who do you think out other than Jokic, of course, who do you is the most important Nuggets player for this particular series? 
It's a great question. And, and there are a lot of guys that are going to have to step up that if like, look, I, I listened to George Carl and Adam Morris talk about this on, on their podcast that Jokic could probably win himself two games, a star, a superstar player could probably win two games, but you need role players to win four. You need somebody to step up. You need other players to, to help produce and help support what Jokic is doing on a night to night basis. Aaron Gordon is probably the guy. And the reason why he's the guy is because he's the most athletic and most versatile defender that Denver has, where he can defend up and down the positions, whether it is chasing around Steph Curry for various possessions or sticking on Andrew Wiggins and then being a rover and daring Wiggins to shoot. Or if it's going to be on Draymond Green, where he can switch all of the pick and roll and DHO actions that they do with the guards. I think that Gordon's probably going to be that guy, especially defensively, but offensively, he's got to be a productive force too. And if the Warriors are going to go small and Wiggins is the guy that has to guard Aaron Gordon, Aaron Gordon has to be a physical beast in the middle. And the best way to kind of break apart the interior defense is to put him in front of the rim on a smaller player and have him create havoc. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, that's been uh, an area where the Warriors have struggled, not just this season, but really for a lot of seasons is those hyper athletic wings that can kind of play multiple positions, get down the court really quickly. Um, they've really struggled with those with those players a lot. I think that's a large reason why they targeted Jonathan Kaminga was they felt they needed someone who could match up with that somewhere down the road because that's been been such an issue. Um, so you mentioned Andrew Wiggins. I've been one of, if not the most critical uh, person of Andrew Wiggins on Warriors Twitter. No. Amongst the Warriors writers. I know it's, <laughs> it's become a bit at this point, and I feel bad because, you know, he seems like a good guy and everything, and I, I obviously don't want him to play poorly, but, you know, right. since long before he came to the Warriors, I've just felt like he was not a very good player. Um, and he's made some serious strides this year, but I also felt like he was um, dramatically overrated. I honestly thought it was uh, a little bit of a joke that he was named an all-star starter. Uh, and he's been really bad for a few months now. Um, but I'm curious from someone else's perspective, do you fear Andrew Wiggins at all? Do you think the Nuggets fear Andrew Wiggins at all? Is Andrew Wiggins part of the Nuggets game plan? I think if Andrew Wiggins takes a shot, then Denver's going to breathe a, breathe a sigh of relief is, is kind of where I'm at with this, is where I think that this is probably going to go. And, and of course, Wiggins is a very dangerous cutter. He's a very dangerous athletic body at the rim. And when he hits his corner threes, then that's where the Warriors offense can generally go from, oh, gosh, we are scary to, oh, gosh, that we can't be stopped. Um, but look, if, if he's the guy that defeats you, if he's the guy that sort of takes you down, it, I think Denver's probably going to treat it kind of like, I don't know. They like, I, I think back to the Blazers series that they played in 2019 when Mo Harkless and Al Farouk Aminu were the guys next to Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. And you're like, okay, we could either have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum shoot, or we could have Al Farouk Aminu and Maurice Harkless shoot. This is obviously a better player and a much more talented player. And I just compared an all-star starter to Mo Harkless. Um, but I do think that the message is the same. 
and Denver, like, it, would you rather have Stephen Clay shoot or would you rather have Andrew Wiggins shoot? I think Denver will take the latter 10 times out of 10. So kind of on a similar note then to that, like we talked obviously about what, what might happen if Steph Curry is not at hundred uh, percent. If Steph Curry is close to hundred percent, what do you think is the best approach for the, for the Nuggets defense in defending him? Is this a situation where you throw everything at him and you force some of those other guys to, because, you know, it's obviously good and well to try to force Andrew Wiggins to beat you. It's a little bit harder to trap one guy and also keep Clay Thompson from beating you. Um, so do you think it's a throw the kitchen sink at Steph Curry and make other guys beat you? Do you think you play him straight up and hope for the best? What's that plan going to look like? Playing straight up is a bad idea just because look, he is the best shooter of all time. And, and they're going to like, he's going to be willing to take 15 threes pretty consistently. Yeah. And, and if he takes those 15 threes and he makes seven of them, that's pretty tough. That is a pretty tough thing for any team to really deal with. Uh, so Denver's got to make him make five of 15 threes. And they have to hope that clay and Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins and the other folks aren't going to capitalize on that. Now, what does that mean? It's not kitchen sink. It's Jokic has to play up the floor. He, he can't be down the floor trying to react to when Steph is coming off of a screen, giving him more than three feet of space. He has to be in his airspace and force Steph to drive. That is probably, sorry, uh, that is probably the most important thing for him, uh, especially if he's like if he's coming off of an injury is you want to make him move. Like that's yeah. probably like you, you want to make him defend. You want to make him cut. You want to make him have to move a full 25 extra feet on any, on every possession, trying to get open. And if that's the case, then maybe you wear him down towards the end of the series where he's just coming back off of things. And like he's, he's in the red for most of his energy levels for most of the year. That's probably the way to do it. Can Denver do that? Do they have the personnel to do that? I think Jokic is better at it than most people give him credit for, but he's still a seven-footer who's 250 pounds. Right. It's a, it's a tall task for anyone, let alone someone with that physical build. <laughs> I asked Michael Malone about that today, by the way. I, I was like, hey, can any center guard Steph Curry on the perimeter? And he said, no, not, none of these guys can. And, and acting like it's just a Nikola Jokic problem, basically, right. is stupid because he makes Rudy Gobert look like an idiot. And he'd make Joel Embiid look like a fool sometimes. And he would make uh, pick a center like like all of these guys. If you wanted for that matter. Yeah. Well, he, he said that, too, which is hilarious. Uh, that is <laughs> that is really funny. Um, but yeah, like, like it's Steph Curry. Like you, you got to double him. You got to show two hands or four hands and two bodies at him pretty much most of the time. Yeah. Agreed. So that leads actually perfectly into my last question I had for you, which is I've long felt that uh, Jokic was a very underrated defender. Um, I felt earlier in his career, he got labeled as just an awful defender when I thought that he was serviceable. And I think at this point in his career, he's, you know, now maybe gets labeled as a serviceable defender. And I think truthfully, he's, a decent defender at this stage. Um, maybe not a dynamic one, but I, I think he's a pretty decent defender. Um, right. What, what do you see, you know, in addition to, to what you just talked about with Steph Curry, what do you see as Jokic's role in Denver's defense in this series, considering that the Warriors don't really have any inside presence. I mean, they, 
they obviously run some pick and rolls and they run some post-ups for Draymond where he's a passer more than a scorer. What's his defensive role here? So I think anytime Kevon Looney is going to be on the floor, he's going to be guarding Kevon Looney. That's probably the easiest thing for him to do, mm-hmm. matching up with a, a fellow big man, uh, somebody who is is not going to be as dynamic of a shooter. And and then look, if you if you have to hard hedge off of a guard and leave Kevon Looney in the middle of the floor, it's a little bit different from than leaving Draymond Green in the middle of the floor, where he's just a little bit more dynamic with the ball, despite the fact that Kevon Looney has made improvements. No, don't get me wrong. Uh, it's just a different beast when, when it comes to the playoffs. And as long as Denver's precise, then their rotations behind should be able to mask some of those issues. Uh, but I do think that Jokic throughout the series, it, he's going to be worn down. That's, that's definitely the thing. Like after a full 82 game season, you could see him already dipping with his energy levels on the defensive end. And cause he had to carry so much on the offensive end down the stretch too. So I, I am a little bit concerned on, on how high up the floor he's going to be able to get because there are, I think, a lot of questions. I, I think the Warriors are going to run three, four, five actions at him as many times as possible per possession, and they're going to try to tire him out. And the hope is that you wear him down by games five, six, and seven in a series that even if Denver gets a, a couple of them up front, then the Warriors should still be okay as long as Curry is back and, and everybody's healthy and, and you don't get Draymond suspended for a game. Like that should be, I should like everybody's going to be okay at that point. So uh, we're going to see, we're going to see what Jokic has in store. Do I think that he has a 20 rebound game in him? Yeah. Do I think that he has a four steals and three blocks game in him? Yeah. Is he going to be the most impactful defender the Warriors have ever faced? No. Yeah. That, that all makes perfect sense. And, and that's such a good point about wearing a guy down because, you know, I think we tend to, to think of teams as attacking certain players because they're a weak point on the defense or maybe because they're in foul trouble and can't defend well. But it really is underrated to attack a player just to wear him down that much more. Jokic is already carrying such a gargantuan load on offense. Why not make him work that much more? on defense and either wear him down for the fourth quarter of that game, or like you said, later down the road, game three, game five, game potential game seven. Um, So that's, yeah, that's a very good point. So the other couple of questions that I think Nuggets fans and, and the Nuggets should have going into this thing is Jamal Murray playing or not is obviously the big one on everybody's mind. Uh, it is a fair question to have because everybody and their mother keeps saying that Jamal Murray has not been ruled out of the playoffs, despite the fact that it is unlikely that he plays in the playoffs. What I think that means is that he's probably not playing this series and that if Denver can get past it, then maybe he comes back later. But there's also a school of thought that says maybe he comes back for game three. Maybe he comes back like because game three is 12 months after his surgery. Uh, so there, it's, there's a reasonable... I think there is a reasonable thought process that he is healthy enough to come back and that it is a mental thing for him to come back, which is understandable. And the timing of this sucks, but I do think that if the playoffs started May 15th, then he would have come back on April 15th. And now that the playoffs are starting April 15th or whenever they're starting, it's a little bit more dicey. I think that that's probably the biggest question, but one of the other ones that you had had mentioned before 
with the Warriors bench is that I think the Nuggets bench is very much in that same boat where you don't know who you can trust on a game-to-game basis. I think the one guy that you can definitely trust is Austin Rivers. He's going to execute the game plan really well. He's been here before. He understands how to match up with the Warriors for sure. But beyond him, Denver's most trustworthy player has been Bones Highland, who is a 26th overall pick and a rookie and a gunner who just said that he doesn't fear the Warriors and is one of the most confident players I've ever seen in my entire life and is probably about to have some sort of awakening that, hey, this is a little bit different. Uh, just your general thoughts on Bones Highland, what he brings to the table, and and uh, what your general thoughts on having no fear in this situation, what they mean. I mean, I love Bones Highland. I'm a big Bones Highland guy, and I promise it's it's not just because of the name. Um, but I, I love that mentality this time of year. Um, not, not saying I'm jealous of it because it can be really frustrating, you know, for the, for the team that that player is on. Um, but it's such a, it reminds me of March madness. It's such a kind of like high variance kind of, um, you know, whatever the, the football term is, you know, David strategy or whatever it's called, um, where you're just kind of, you're throwing something with everything you've got and, if it works, it's going to work and it's probably not going to work, but if it works, it's awesome. And I feel like that's kind of Bones Highland's game at this stage in his career. It's like, I'm going to go wild. And if I catch fire, I'm going to win you a game. And if I don't catch fire, the fan base is going to hate me probably for a few days here. And it's, it's just so much, so much fun. Just, just as an NBA fan to kind of have those types of players. Um, but I'm, I'm a big Bones Highland fan, but, you know, he's a rookie. Um, rookies, as a general principle, are not good when it comes to actually providing value in terms of winning important games. Um, I don't think there are many, you know, outside of Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley, I'm not sure there are any rookies that I would actually want playing meaningful minutes uh in a playoff game right now it's just not right it's just not how it works and we're gonna see you know the Warriors are gonna do that too we're gonna see some Jonathan Kaminga in this series probably not very much but a little bit and we're gonna see some Bones Highland and um but ultimately I think those types of players they just they're a little bit too green to be able to actually provide value but the fun thing about a guy like Bones is he might be able to provide a lot of value in a very short amount of time uh, it's just a matter of can he capitalize on that and can the Nuggets not have to rely on that and not get hurt too badly by the minutes when he's not doing that? Well, I got a newsflash for you. They're going to have to rely upon it. That's what's going to happen. That's uh, that's sort of kind of how we have to deal with this because the, you've had the, starting, the starting unit has been their own thing and the starters have been good. Obviously, you got to trust all this. Like Jeff Green's probably not going to play a ton, but he's he's a good, solid veteran who knows how to play in these situations and will probably find a role in this series. Uh, Monte Morris, Will Barton, obviously the starting backward, they're going to play. Aaron Gordon going to play. Austin Rivers is going to play. Bones Highland is also going to play because the only other option is Faku Campazo, who 
exclusively for game one is not going to be available because of his uh, because of his suspension from the league. Uh, not going to be available. He wasn't in the rotation to begin with, so I don't think Nuggets fans are really concerned. But it just puts a lot of pressure on Bones. It's like he he is the guy. He is there is nobody else, and there they don't have another point guard on the roster, especially not one that's healthy unless Jamal walks through that door. And they've got Bryn Forbes. Bryn Forbes is a a reasonable veteran that could do some stuff, but that's also like there's a price to be paid for having Bryn Forbes on the floor because he is such a sieve defensively. Bones Highland is a better defender than Bryn Forbes. Let let that sink in. Uh, It's a wild sentence. Yeah. It's it's not wrong, but it's a wild Uh, sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Like Jamichael Green is going to be out there. They're going to try DeMarcus Cousins. That's going to go interesting. Uh, I'm not expecting that to go well, but look, if it does, then maybe that swings up. Maybe that swings a game and, and then the Warriors will adjust and sort of figure that out. But that's probably where like you have questions about your bench. Those are pedestrian questions about a bench lineup. <laughs> like we're going to stagger Clay and we're going to play Jordan Poole and we're going to have Andre Godali in between. We're going to have Otto Porter and Imani Bielitsa. All right, that should be good. And Denver's going to be like, okay, so we're we're going to throw out Bones Highland, and I guess we're going to stagger Will Barton, and that's like, then we're going to play Demarcus Cousins, and we're going to see how that goes too. But it's uh, man, I, I envy your guys' depth is what I'm really here to say is that you guys have built like I didn't even mention Gary Payton the second, who I want Denver to go steal on the free agency. Uh, in the offseason because that would be a fantastic fit for Denver. Uh, but just so many great pieces to throw at the puzzle that is winning a title. And, and I think that that's probably going to bear out, but we'll just have to see. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're a wildly deep team, which is funny considering how how much the Twitter match masses have been angry at the team's depth and the team's bench pieces. And, um, you know, they've had their bumps along the way as Kerr has tried to figure out how to play the right, you know, the champagne problems of having that deep of a bench is, you know, how do you, how do you figure out your rotations so that everyone can play? Cause you can't, you can't play everyone. Some people have to sit um, and it's, it becomes a weird numbers game and Steve Kerr has, you know, done it to the best of his abilities, but it's always going to look a little bit clunky at times, but um, yeah, in hindsight, Complaining about the bench that's going to be led by Jordan Poole is, is uh, to a Nuggets guy is probably not the uh, the kindest thing I could have done. Well, we we were hoping that Monte Morris would lead the bench at this point, and that would have a similar feel for us. It's yeah. like, hey, look, Monte Morris, steady veteran, somebody who can really get you into your sets. Uh, Bones provides a little bit more dynamic ability, and and there's something to be said about that in a series that variance is going to be a big deal, uh, but it is going to be a wild ride, I think. And hopefully it's a good one, but I I'm just, I'm just holding my breath at this point. Um, okay. The nuggets will win the series. If blank. If the warriors have a severely compromised Steph Curry or Draymond Green. Okay. Is Draymond dealing with anything? Cause you've brought that up no. a couple of times. Oh, okay. He's, Great. He's, Great. No, cool. he's fine. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to burst your bell. I mean, you know, he was out for like two months and he's been back for, you know, a few weeks now. Um, and he, yeah. he kind of took a while to get ramped up, but um, 
but he was out, you know, he was dealing with some back stuff and whatnot. And that's always, you know, has a danger of flaring back up and whatnot. But right now, no, he's, he's totally fine. Preaching to the choir there. Um, Michael Porter <laughs> says hello. Uh, okay. Let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to get into some quick, bold predictions on the series and then make our series predictions on what we think is going to happen. We will be right back. We're back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. As always, if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the program uh, with five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, that would be fantastic. That would be great. It always growing the program helps. And and as somebody who continues to try to do this and then just uh, doing a solo podcast is obviously difficult. So spreading the word is is extremely helpful. All right, Brady. Uh, thank you again for, for hopping on with me. It's been, it's been a pleasure so far. Uh, I want to get into some bold predictions and I, oh, I yeah. preface this to you before the, before the podcast that, Hey, I've, I've got a couple ones. I think you've got a couple bold predictions and we're going to go back and forth here. Uh, just, uh, just to share what we think and get, try to get a rise out of the other one. I think that'll be, that'll be great. Great fun. All right. Do you want to go first? Or would you like me to go first? Take it away. Okay. We were just talking about him, Bones Highland. I think he wins a game for Denver, and I think he loses a game for Denver, which Nuggets fans know I'm not predicting a, a sweep of the Warriors. That that's uh that's uh and I'm not predicting a nugget a sweep of the Nuggets. That's uh that's definitely not going to happen either. But Bones is going to be a big deal. There will be a game where he gets hot, where he uh kind of taps into the crowd and, and the energy at at uh ball arena, I think. And just goes crazy at some point. And, and whether Gary Payton the second is on it, like Gary Payton is a fantastic defender. Bones just doesn't really care. He will shoot against anybody. And it's, it's crazy to see. He's also a good passer. So there will be opportunities for him to create some good things for Denver. It will be a difficult series for him, but I think he will have a game. I like that. I like, I like that prediction a lot. I'm, I'm going to stick with something somewhat similar um, and say that I think Nemanja Bialica wins a game for the Warriors. Uh, Ooh, he's okay. been a hot and cold bench piece, uh, hot to start the season, was awful for a while. He was the name most commonly floated around um, as the guy the Warriors might cut if they had a good buyout candidate they wanted to add. Uh, and the last few weeks, he worked his way back into the rotation. He's been a dynamic playmaker. Um, the Warriors broadcasters like to occasionally throw out some. Uh, comparisons to Nikola Jokic, which are obviously awful, um, but shows you that he's been doing some good things. Um, he's been making it rain all over the court. Uh, he's just been that guy who can come in off the bench, can give you like 10, five and five in 17 minutes. Uh, and I think, especially with what, you know, you were talking about with Denver's issues on the bench, um, those those minutes that I mentioned where Curry is on the bench, the Warriors need to do well in those minutes. And it certainly seems like Denver is providing an opportunity for the Warriors to do well oh, in yeah. those minutes. <laughs> and I think there's going to be one game where Bielitsa just takes that and runs with it. And it's a game where, you know, it's been close 
And then he has, you know, a five minute stint in the third quarter or the start of the fourth quarter. And suddenly the Warriors are in prime position when they bring Curry back. What I do think, I, I think that will happen relatively early is what I will say. And that he will have an opportunity against DeMarcus Cousins specifically, where he spaces out DeMarcus Cousins and hits a couple threes, or he gets past him off of a dribble drive and, and then dishes off a pass or something like that. Uh, there will definitely be a sequence that I think uh, Bielitsa will showcase his gifts and, and his ability to kind of connect the Warriors offense for sure. Um, I do think that as the season, as the series goes along, that Jamichael Green and Jeff Green, and to some to some extent Aaron Gordon, will probably be the bench four and five, and it will probably have less of an opportunity for Bielitsa specifically to impact mm-hmm. things. But I do think that while Demarcus Cousins is out there, this is a matchup I'm definitely watching. So good on you. Um, my turn. I think Nikola Jokic is going to dominate the Draymond Green matchup. Ooh. I think that that's one where there's been a lot of people that have discussed Draymond Green specifically in his one-on-one defense against bigs, and he is one of the best at it. Don't get me wrong. But I, I went back and looked through the data. I went back and looked through the clips. Last year, Jokic shot about 61% against Draymond Green. The year before, he only had six shots against him because it was a weird year for everybody, but he, Jokic shot four of six, uh, which is, is what it is. He shot six of 16 against Draymond back in 2018-19, but that was three years ago. And it, that's, a, that's just a long time, and they, have had, they haven't had any matchups this year, which is why I didn't include data this year. But I just think that Jokic is such a better scorer than he was three years ago that I do not – like. I think that there are some things that Draymond will get him with. But overall, if they just go one-on-one, Jokic is one of the best at just using his size and then shooting from an uncomfortable angle that Draymond Green likes to force people into uncomfortable angles and Jokic just hit the, hits those shots anyway. So that's what I would pick at. I think that he will do well against the Draymond Green matchup and struggle comparatively against Kevon Looney. I like that. I like that a lot. And truthfully, I don't disagree with it. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to segue into a bold prediction that I didn't even have until you said that, um, but it feels fitting, which is... I think Nikola Jokic is going to score at a much higher rate than he did in the regular season. And wow. I think he's going to, I know, which is a, a very, very high bar, um, but I think he's going to um, have assists at a much lower rate than in the regular season. I think that's going to be the priority of the Warriors defense. I think that's the area where Draymond will excel. Um, and I think they're going to live with the fact that, you know, the Warriors are pretty good at, at taking their shots on on the chin and going, you know what? We're not going to stop this guy. Uh, we'll try to limit him a little bit, but we're not going to stop him. I think they will live with Jokic scoring 35, 38 points a night if the rest of the offense isn't functioning quite as smoothly, quite as effortlessly as it often does. So I think I, think I definitely agree. Just looking at some of Jokic's game logs and some of the playoff series data that he had last year, kind of in a similar circumstance, obviously. Against the Blazers, he averaged 33 points, 10.5 rebounds, and 4.5 assists. Wow. While at 53, 43, 92. Um, 
So there is something to that, that it's not four and a half, like four and a half assists could be about the number. It could be like mm-hmm. under five for what the actual assist total is, because the easy ones are definitely not going to be there. Some of the touchdown passes are not going to be there. The Warriors are going to be locked in on all of those things. They're going to try to take away as many of the easy things as possible. So it's going to have to be higher scoring. And, and he proved that he could do that. I think he got tired against Phoenix, but in a first round series after they've had about nine days off, like he may not be tired in this first round series and may Mm -hmm. be able to go for a a little bit more and and just, just carry that load for as, for as much as he possibly can. So it's a good call. I think that's a a very good call. Um, Mine here is, I think that my next bold prediction, I think that Steph and clay will each have two games where they struggle to shoot efficiently, just just kind of within the scope of a series, and only, but only one of those will overlap, and that'll be a game that Denver wins. So that's where one of the games comes. I think that another one comes where Bones Highland gets hot, and we'll just have to see where the other ones fall where they may, but, but that's kind of where I'm at. I don't think you can count on those guys shooting inefficiently, and what I would really classify that as is like below – 30% from three. Like if they, if they shot above 30% to below 42%, I think that's reasonable. Yeah. That seems like a very, a very reasonable one. I mean, you know, they both had their fair share of struggles. This was Steph's worst year <laughs> shooting threes by far. Um, I did, was- I did ask for bold predictions and I just gave <laughs> like one of the most reasonable tepid predictions that I could have possibly given. <laughs> you know, I, I appreciate it. Not all bold predictions can be super bold. Um, so my next one is the one that I teased earlier, and it's not really a prediction. It's really just a statement, um, which is that for this series, and this is the only opponent for the Warriors that I would say this about, I think Draymond Green is a more important player than Steph Curry in this series. Um, I think the Warriors, if Steph Curry sat through this series, I think the Warriors would have a better chance of winning than if Draymond sat and, and Steph was back at full strength. Um, I think, you know, despite what you said about the, the defense against Jokic when Jokic is scoring, which was very accurate, I think he's still one of the few players in the league who has the ability to kind of slow down Denver's offense just with his roving ability, um, with his free safety and deflections and whatnot. Um, I think he is one of the players who can start to wear down Jokic a little bit, even though he's not a good offensive player or a good scorer. He knows how to push the ball up the court. And if he's the center, uh, he can really either start to wear Jokic down a little bit by forcing Jokic to really have to bust his butt down the court or just give the Warriors a lot of five on four opportunities. Um, and most importantly, the Warriors right now, you know, they've been one of the best defensive teams in the league all year long. They've been a bad offensive team this year. Or not bad, but a mediocre. You know, I think they're maybe 17th in the league uh, in garbage time adjusted offensive rating this season. Even when Curry was healthy, they were, you know, right outside the top 10 a lot of the time. Uh, This is a a team that has proven that they can win even when their offense is not playing very well. They have shown no ability to win when they don't play defense. None at all. And I think against a team with arguably the best offensive player in the world in Nikola Jokic, if you can't bring a strong defensive game, I, I think you're in a, a world of hurt. Uh, so I guess if I had to put this in prediction form, it's that 
I still think the Warriors can win this. I think the Warriors still win this series if Steph Curry is injured, and I don't think they win it if Draymond Green is injured, even if Steph's back. It's a good point. And one of the things that can sometimes be overanalyzed is just the number of the number of shooters that the Warriors have. Mm-hmm. Like they have a lot of different guys. If you take away one of those guys, there are still going to be a lot of guys that are that are still just really talented. Clay is capable of going for 40. Jordan Poole's capable of going for 30 consistently. Andrew Wiggins has shown that he can put up 25. Like there's there's definitely reasons to think that they could still be an efficient offense, at least kind of in a playoff context. Like if like even if you don't have Steph out there. I do I do acknowledge that though. The look, the the identity of the Warriors is definitely their defense. It's definitely how they switch, how they swarm, how they make things difficult in the passing lanes. Uh one of the things that I was looking at regular season this year, they were the second best or second most efficient at at keeping guys out of the post and like mm-hmm. like just preventing the the post opportunities, the easy post opportunities. Uh, only to the Phoenix Suns, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, so there might be some similar issues for Denver and for Jokic in this series as there were against the Suns. And do I think that I, I think that De- uh, DeAndre Ayton is a unique defender that gave Jokic some issues in that mm-hmm. particular series? I think that Draymond presents him some different issues, not just in the one-on-one, obviously, but in the roving aspect. That's it's so hard to even talk about because until you see it and until you see it in action and how many just actions that he clogs up and sniffs out and prevents and how Denver has to go from option A to option D within the span of six seconds, it's going to be crazy to watch. And, and I think if Denver can fight through that, then they have a chance, but if not, then uh, this series could be over quickly. So last bold prediction for me, I think that Aaron Gordon scores at least 25 points in three out of the six games that I am predicting them to play. Love it. Love it. Um, I have two more bold predictions, so I'm going to, I'm going to bang them out real quick. If that's all right, take the floor. Um, The first one that's actually bold before I end on a not very bold one um, is I think a warriors player who is stuck on the very back of the bench, not really in the rotation is going to get a big chance in the series and make the most of it. Um, you know, Steve Kerr, when he was a player, one of his most famous moments was that series with the Spurs where he was completely out of the rotation and Greg Popovich was angry at everyone and threw Steve Kerr in the game and he made like four threes in a quarter and they won the game. Um, I, I think that's going to happen. Steve Kerr has, has tried really hard to get minutes for those players that are out of the rotation. Um, he's had a lot of times where he kind of rests everyone and make sure that Damian Lee is playing 30 minutes. Juan Toscano Anderson's playing 30 minutes. Moses Moody's playing 30 minutes. You add in that one player like Jonathan Kaminga might not really be in the rotation to start this series since they they have so many players and Steph Curry's coming back. And I think there are going to be a few players that are getting DNPs most of the series. And one of them is going to get an opportunity when they're struggling in a game and make the most of it. Um, I love a lot of the role players for Golden State. 
and Kaminga was like he was just on fire when when he came to Denver the last time. That was yeah. the most irritating thing in being <laughs> in the building. Was like, all right, so we've got Steph, we've got Clay, we've got Poole, we've got Wiggins. They started those four guys, and then they bring Kaminga off the bench, and he drops like what seventeen points off of five threes or something like that. It was the most irritating. Like Denver lost that game, but they were in it for the entire time. They would have been ahead had yeah. Kaminga not just gone gangbusters from three he is a capable guy he i is. love damian lee's game he's just very traditional in, mm-hmm. in how he impacts it as kind of a floor spacer uh moses moody put up clay like numbers against denver one time <laughs> uh there's just a lot of different guys that you could go with who who do you think you would pick i would pick damian lee um because i think that that he is that kind of player where you know maybe the offense is struggling you put in a guy who can shoot it um a guy who you know just you know, Damian Lee's not that, not that great, but he's solid. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. You know, he's not a super good offensive player. He's not a super good defensive player, but he's not that guy who comes in and turns the ball over, takes a stupid shot, fouls guys. Uh, he's not going to lose you any games. And if you're struggling, you can put him in and know that, hey, this guy has to be guarded 26 feet from the hoop. He's going to cut at the right times. He's going to give 110% effort. Uh, that's the guy that I think Steve Kerr would most likely have to turn to and say, Nothing's working. Just go in there and play normal basketball uh, and make some open shots. Brent Forbes helped win a game for Denver against Golden State, like right before the All-Star break. He might be a guy for Denver that could have a similar impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I talked about, like you just you just have to make that trade. And, and that's uh, that's a, a difficult trade to make. <laughs> Is there anybody on Denver's bench that you could that you think might make that sort of impact? That's like not necessarily in the primary rotation. Is it rude if I say no? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I like one, no. one I will say, like there, there are two I will say. Zeke Naji and Vlaco Chanchar just came off of injury. And before Zeke Naji went down, he was one of the best kind of spot-up three-point shooters in the league. Mm-hmm. And which was just a very efficient option for Denver as, as like a six foot nine forward who could switch yeah. on to a whole bunch of other people and play great isolation defense. Now, is he a good option against the freaking Warriors and how they don't really <laughs> isolate at all? No, but could he go out there in place of Jermichael Green if Jermichael Green's bit breaking shots and could he switch on to X, Y, or Z and then hit some shots himself? Probably. Like, so that's the guy I will pick. I'll say Zeke Naji has a, a redemption arc for Denver. I like that. I, I'd kind of forgotten about Zeke Naji. I'll be honest. I, I like his game, but I had you know, I haven't seen him much lately, so I've kind of forgotten about it. <laughs> Nobody has. He he went out with a knee injury called bilateral knee soreness. Then he came back for a game, heard it again, and then missed like six weeks. So it's been a long time since since we've seen him. So it's, it is a bold prediction that I am making right here, but uh, we we will just have to see. All right, Brady, we've we've buried the lead. Who do you have winning the series, and in how many games? I'm going to I'm going to go a little optimistic here. I'm going to go Warriors in 5. Um that is that is based on thinking that Curry is going to be pretty close to 100% in terms of performance if not um in terms of minutes. Um I think you know if if this were a week ago I might be thinking very differently, uh but they did end the season on a really high note. Uh they were really playing really good basketball in their last, you know, 10 or so days of the year. Uh, I think they're set up to welcome Steph back into the fold 
in a very successful way. Clay finally looks back to himself. Dre finally looks back to himself. Jordan Poole looks like an all-star. Um, and I think they're very energized. The reports coming out of practice this week have been really, really good. Um, you know, Steph Curry said today that this is the most fun he's ever had at practice. Um, again, probably a little bit of posturing going on here, but uh, the overall vibe, the team seems to be clicking. Um, <laughs> I also, I also don't believe that that is the most fun he's had. Like the Warriors be. are a fun team. There, there have been some fun moments over the years. Like yeah. that's definitely. That's and he's admitting that he's still in pain. So like, yeah, <laughs> you know, come on now, Steph. Don't need to lie that much. But um, you know, there's they seem really optimistic in ways that you know the Warriors are a pretty transparent team. You know, Steve Kerr is, is not really one to to preach confidence oh, if it's not there. Um, Draymond nice. Green definitely isn't. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, so yeah, I think I think they're just clicking. I, I you know I think Denver has a chance in the series. I think every game is going to be really close, um, or maybe not every game, but I think most of the games are going to be really close. I think. Um, oh, my other. My other unbold prediction was that I think the game of the playoffs is going to be in this series. I think there's just going to be Ooh. a really special game. One of those ones that, you know, maybe it's double overtime. Maybe it's, you know, Jokic has 40, 15, and 15 while Steph drops 50. Uh, I think there's just going to be one game that's just that special game that you're like, this is why we love the playoffs. This is why we love the NBA. Um, so I think, I think it's going to be a great series. I think most of the games are going to be a ton of fun. And I just think the Warriors, they're just enough better uh, given the injuries that Denver has uh, that I think that they win in five, even if it feels closer than that. What was the Warriors record to start the season before they kind of tailed off? Oh my God. I think it was 26 and four. I want to say. Yeah. So I I think Nuggets fans, you got to have some tempered expectations here because it's not just that the Nuggets are probably going to lose this series. It's that the Warriors have such high ambitions based off of where they started the year, based off of how they got back Clay and how Clay looks good. And now there's going to be this euphoria that comes out that all three of those guys are going to be on the court again, hopefully. And it's going to be gangbusters. At least that's, that's sort of the general feel that everybody's getting. So I myself am going to predict Warriors in six. I think that Denver gets one in Golden State or in, in San Francisco. I think that they win one in Denver and it goes back to San Francisco tied 2-2. And then San Francisco, uh, then Golden State kind of takes care of business after that. And they, they sort of figure things out after game four. Uh, but we're going to see. We're going to see how it goes. And, and I think this could go a lot of different ways. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people just assume that the Warriors are going to run over Denver. And my hope is that that doesn't happen. I think that listening to you, I think that there are some things that Denver can take advantage of. And the Steph situation could be one of them. And yeah. if you get Clay being inefficient, Clay, as opposed to the guy that has just been rolling here of late then there's definitely an opportunity for Denver to take advantage of that. And if their guys kind of show up here, then maybe something happens, maybe something changes. But in the end, I don't think that having the best player is going to matter as much as having the best five players on the court. 
and because that's just who the warriors are that's what their identity has been for a long time and they have a system kind of like the how the suns have a system that you just limit as many weaknesses as possible exploit the opposing team's weaknesses and that's just kind of how they roll yeah yeah i think that's i think that's nail on the head honestly um but i do agree with you i think i think the nuggets are being slept on a little bit here um and i really do think this is going to be a very very fun series um and a very competitive and just good basketball you know i think it's i think it's going to be really good basketball it's going to be good and fun basketball and i hope that people can appreciate the tactical battles that are going on there's going to be a lot of great tactics that are displayed in this series and hopefully like it would be nice if denver had some more firepower because then it would be even more crazy and this thing would just go to hell like there's just so many things that you could really be excited about if Jamal Murray walks through the door in game three, I'm not sure if I would change my prediction. I think that they're like, maybe you go warriors in seven at that point where you have to win a game in San Francisco at the end of it. And that's probably not going to happen, but I don't know, man. Like it's just, I can't even think about Jamal Murray coming back. It just, it just doesn't seem real at this point. Yeah. And it's asking a lot for, you know, I mean, the Warriors fans will be very quick to, to point that out with with how rocky Clay was for, you know, the first two months, really. And, and even still right. now ha- is having a lot of bad games. It's it's asking a lot for a player to come off of the sidelines from a, a year absence and just be able to step in and actually help a team. I think, you know, really the thing you're hoping for at that point is that you get the adrenaline boost and the emotional lift from having one of your stars back more than actually having uh, their talent back because although obviously with what we talked about with Denver's bench, you know, Jamal Murray, even if he's coming back on one leg is probably a significant improvement to Denver's talent, but you know, it's still asking him a lot to come back and be Jamal Murray, you know? Yeah. Like I, I'm it's, we're going to see, we're going to see whether they could do it. My, my hope is that he surprises everybody is in a good enough place mentally and physically where he can come back and could just experience this with the team because he's been so removed from everything for so much of it that I would love to see him just sweat for the team a little bit. And just like, Hey, even if like, if, if he, if they lose, then he's a part of that too. And then can really approach the off season in a healthy way. Like, okay, we are in this together. We are going to go win a title next year. And that'd be kind of the mental approach that they have to take. But if you don't play, then a lot of it's just going to be, well, I wasn't there. So we'll just have to say, but either way, Brady, you have been fantastic. Once again, I love our conversations. I think they're insightful. And I think that you do a fantastic job covering the golden state warriors. Where can the people find you? Where can the people uh, read your work? Find me at goldenstateofmind.com. That's where we got all my warriors coverage. We'll have a lot of stuff going on during this series. Uh, If you're into baseball, you can find me me at mccoveychronicles.com for some giants action but uh and follow me on twitter pretty clop for nba and yeah we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of coverage coming over the next week or two on this <laughs> very entertaining series i love it hey we're we're doing the same thing over at denver stiffs everybody so make sure to check us out there and make sure that if you're in town and if you're looking for a place to watch game one hit up the denver stiffs watch party hit up the mile high sports watch party we are at blake street tavern on Saturday night at 6 p.m. Check it out. Buy us beers. We'll buy you beers. It'll be great. For everybody else, that'll do it for this episode of Pick Action Roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will be back tomorrow with some final wrap-up points 
before the series begins and maybe we'll get some updates on the injury report that we have to cover that'll be good lord that would be a weird thing to cover all right thank you so much everybody for tuning in we'll talk to you guys tomorrow For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.